Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Well, Gavin, you tell Mark Zuckerberg, I don't care how many apologies he's legally required to give, he's not doing one on this show. <sighs> the following podcast contains... You used to be a kind, loving man, and now you're a foul-mouthed monster! Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you thought a guy who doesn't know the word might somehow feel the emotion, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, July 20th, 2018, Shame in Vain edition of the show, where we talk about why you can lead a horse's ass to water, but you can't make him feel bad about being a horse's ass. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Catholic Guilt. Feeling sorry for something, but not sure why. For almost 2,000 years, Catholic Guilt has brought a vague sense of discomfort to generations of believers. No matter how pure a life you lead, Catholic Guilt is there to remind you, you could do better. Catholic Guilt is so powerful, you don't even need to be a practicing Catholic to feel it. In fact, it works better when you haven't been to church in years. If you're looking for a deep but non-specific shorts of shame and general feeling of being a disappointment, look no further than Catholic Guild. Offer not available to all Catholics, particularly high-level church patriarchs. See your priest for details. She has confessed her sins and begged for forgiveness. To demonstrate her repentance, she will cast aside all pride, all artifice, and present herself as the gods made her. To you, the good people of the city. She comes before you with a solemn heart, shorn of secrets, naked before the eyes of gods and men, to make her walk of atonement. If you grew up in a religious household like I did, you understand the power shame holds over the mind. When I was a kid, there were two powers that held me back from truly enjoying my life. The epic ass-whooping I would get from my mother, and the tremulous lectures on shame my father would give. If I was ever given the choice between the two, which I never was, I would always prefer the ass-whipping to the long talks about shame. Pain don't hurt. Exactly. But a two-hour talking replete with Bible verses and long prayers on what a disappointment I was? That was fucking agony. And it's not like I was knocking off liquor stores or producing porn in my bedroom. This was the early 1980s. No one had that kind of home technology yet. But I was just being a kid. You know, using the occasional four-letter word or running naked through a crowd because my cousin said that I didn't dare do it. You know. This is typical kid stuff. And as I got older, the transgressions grew more severe. Drinking a little liquor, smoking a little weed, reading treatises on queer theory under the covers with a flashlight. The kind of things kids do. As I grew older and, you know, less ass-whippable, I mean, once you're six inches taller and 50 pounds heavier than either of your parents, they still can whip your ass, but it really becomes more work than it's worth. So I got that shame talk more and more. 
Now, the problem with the shame talk is eventually you're going to run up against a moral wall. And they hit that well after I was an adult, which says something about me, I guess. Because I'm a big pussy. Exactly. Unfortunately for everyone involved, the shame hill they chose to die on was my dating a black woman. This, apparently, would bring shame to the family. And pod friends, it did, because I realized in that moment, I was deeply and permanently ashamed of my family for being racist assholes. And this is the kind of shame that never really goes away. So you probably want to pick your battles when you use shame on your kids in general. And definitely after they become adults, because the sometimes, sometimes the shame is on you. Now, shame is a tricky emotion and one that can only really come from within. Someone, or even everyone, can say you should be ashamed, but only you can tell if you actually are. The definition of shame says it's caused by the consciousness of wrongdoing. It feels like something inside me, gnawing at my guts. Now that could be shame, or it could just be the chipotle you ate for lunch. What one per person considers shameful, say their son dating a black woman, another person may feel totally opposite about. On the top of this, some people, and I don't want to start dropping names here, are incapable of shame because they are, and I want to be extremely precise with my language. You are an awful human being. President Barack Obama, who is not an awful human being, but who is the last legitimate president of the United States, and quite possibly the last president of the United States ever, said in a South Africa speech on the 100th anniversary of Nelson Mandela's birth, quote, we see the utter loss of shame as political leaders when they're caught in a lie, and they just double down and lie some more. Politicians have always lied. But it used to be that if you caught them lying, they'd be like, oh, man, now they just keep lying, unquote. I don't know if that was Obama or Spock. I don't really do an Obama impression. It's the only one that I can't do. That and my Trump is pretty shitty. Very good Reagan, though. Coming from President Obama, these words carry a moral weight behind them because you know he is capable of feeling shame. That when he commits a shameful act, he acknowledges it and tries to make it mean something. On the other hand, when a man who lies every second he is awake and has never been ashamed of anything he's ever done in his life, stands next to say, I don't know, a ruthless dictator, and tells us all that he's a... They think he's a righteous dude. And then the next day tries to tell us that we're crazy because he only misspoke. And anyway, it was probably our lying ears that heard it wrong in the first place. And also, the aforementioned righteous dude is totally unrighteous, never bogus about fucking around in our elections. Yeah, when that happens, you can just look at his face and know this motherfucker isn't ashamed about what he did. In fact, he's furious that people are making him take back the lie he already told. Oddly enough, in his lie, he was in a perverted way telling everyone the truth. Gosh, I'm, I'm such a fucking piece of shit. No Thomas Friedman wrote in a Times op-ed this Tuesday, quote, day in and day out, he proves to us that he has no shame. We've never had a president with no shame. And it's huge. It's a huge source of power for him and trouble for us. And what makes Trump even more powerful and problematic is that this president with no shame is combined with a party with no spine and a major network of no, of no integrity. He's talking about Fox News, of course. When a president with no shame is backed by a party with no spine and a network of no t integrity, you've got two big problems, unquote. Well, Thomas, I'd say we got more than two, but yeah, fine, we'll run with that. Everyone watching Trump over the last week keeps speaking about how shameful his behavior is, how he is discrediting the presidency and embarrassing the country, and all of that is true, 
And all of that is utterly fucking meaningless because the man does not possess a sense of shame or good taste or human decency or the ability to love his children or any real idea his actions have consequences. The man 60 million Americans foolishly voted into office has no moral awareness than a toddler walking around sans diaper dropping turds out of his ass on the floor as he goes. You must be so proud. And honestly... I'm kind of glad he can't be shamed because shame is some hypocritical bullshit. Human history is replete with people using shame to control other people who shouldn't feel shame because they won't conform to the norms of the society they are cursed to live in. Religion is codified shame. Catholicism has weaponized shame into a sar bomba of cultural conformity. Blame the Catholic Church for not letting me wear one of those little rubber things. Oh, they've done some wonderful things in their time. They've preserved the might and majesty, even mystery of the Church of Rome. The sanctity of the sacraments, the indivisible oneness of the Trinity. But if they'd let me wear one of those little rubber things on the end of my cock, we won't be in the mess we are now. I've yet to meet a single person raised Catholic who does not suffer from the persistent and latent guilt that somehow they ought to be ashamed and are not entirely sure what they should be ashamed about. My own Christian evangelical upbringing was replete with things to be ashamed of. I mean, sure, sex, obviously, everyone gets that. But dancing? Really? I mean, God disapproves of dancing? Is is he just upset about white people dancing? Because that I can totally understand. But all dancing is sinful? Is it the shaking of booties? I, I ask merely for some information. The Puritans who form such a cultural core in this country practice best-in-class shaming on a level unprecedented in history. Most of us were forced to read the Scarlet Letter in high school. Sadly, most of us got no further than reading the name Hester and Dimsdale and stopped reading out of sheer boredom. But Hawthorne's book is actually full of cool shit. Adultery, sex, feminism, rebellion, and the resistance to conformity. At least, that's what I see on the book summary I read doing show prep because I stopped reading at Hester and Dimsdale out of sheer boredom. I'm so bored. We all were. The important part about this book is knowing that this culture is baked into the national character of the American people, and we've used shame since the beginning as the lever big enough to move our little American world. Excepting, of course, for the part where we feel shame about owning other human beings, or stealing their land, or giving them blankets infected with smallpox, you know, the sort of things that one should genuinely feel ashamed of. Those, we still come up with new and exciting ways to pretend either didn't happen or had no real impact on our history. Which brings me to point out again that shame is worth fuck and all when it comes to maintaining standards and morals. Shame always was and always will be a tool to keep people towing the line. 60 or 70 years ago, it kept women barefoot and pregnant, gays closeted, and black people in their socially and economically and politically inferior place. Those were the days. Shame was the tool of conservatives to ensure compliance. But it was backed up by laws and policies to enforce that compliance. Fuck, even the Puritans knew that just shaming someone wasn't even going to keep Hester from sinning. So they made sure to write laws and enforce them to keep her from getting notions in her head that she, a mere woman, was actually a human being. If shame and social disapproval were sufficient to keep former slaves from getting crazy ideas in their brains that they were just as capable and deserving 
of respect and protection as a white man, then we would never have needed those Jim Crow laws. If finger-wagging old white women were sufficient to keep women from believing they should have access to basic health care and reproductive freedom, we wouldn't have needed the Supreme Court to say that they did, and eventually opening the door for them to say that they don't again. Any time now that will be happening. Shame doesn't work as a measure of control unless it has laws and punishments to back it up. You see where I'm going with this? No, not yet. I mean, I'm not even being subtle here. All right, let's look at the liberal side of the coin. These days, the left has tried to use shame as a tool to drive the square peg of human decency into the round hole of white supremacy. Oh, that's nasty. Increasingly, we've seen social media outing offenders of common courtesy and decency, often to the detriment of the offending assholes, in the form of hashtag barbecue Becky, or hashtag permit Patty, or hashtag pool patrol Paula, or that one white dude who called the cops because he was fouled at a pickup game of basketball, and all of them were named and shamed on social media. You know what I call that? A victory. I win. And so it is. But naming and shaming only works if the people involved actually feel shame. And there are plenty of white folks out there who proudly engage in shitty behavior and suffer no real consequence for their white nonsense. Shame don't work on people who aren't ashamed of the shit they did. Why? Because being a racist fuckwit isn't illegal, and in much of America, it isn't even a problem. There's an argument one could make that this sort of shaming keeps other white people aware and afraid to act extremely white. And hey, great if that's the case. But at the end of the day, it takes laws to change behavior. Or, you know, enforcing the laws that do exist to prove to people who don't feel shame they can't act just all the fool and get the fuck away with it. It's always been shameful for a priest to bugger an altar boy but they were sure as hell buggering them and they got away with it because of shame. The wrong people were ashamed and the people doing the shameful shit got away with it because the other shame kept it out of the news entirely. No one wanted to bring shame on the church, so they kept it quiet and secret and the shameful acts just kept on going and the priests kept on putting their grubby dick beaters on kids. I think they were doing shame wrong. Everyone cries about the death of shame in America. Both sides of the political aisle cudgel one another with the shame stick. The media cries shame on our culture about civility. And even when we act out our own little version of Cersei's walk of shame. Shame. And call out shameful people. Nothing happens, really. The best that's come out of all of this public shaming is Stephen Miller throwing out 80 bucks worth of sushi. None of it does anything because the people that need shame the most are way past the point of shame. Even Sasha Baron Cohen can't shame people by showing who they really are anymore. His new show, with an old premise of him dressing up and getting objectively awful people to say the objectively awful things they actually believe, doesn't pack the punch it did with Ali G or Borat. Why? Because they aren't ashamed of it anymore. In a Hollywood Reporter review, Daniel Feinberg explains why the new show lacks the visceral punch of humor Cohen's earlier shows had. 
Quote, shame was the secret ingredient in the Ali G show, the obstacle that had to be circumvented to make us believe in that the effort Cohen put into devising characters, picking his targets, and insinuating themselves into their lives on camera was worth the trouble. Shame is the missing ingredient in Cohen's Who is America? And unfortunately, it's not an ingredient that proves merely incidental. It's the difference between shocking and not shocking, between hilarious and simply fleetingly funny, unquote. The only shame that we have left in America is when we throw out otherwise functional white boys. Man, now that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. And you know what? I say fan-fucking-tastic. Let's get rid of shame as a social tool. It's fucking worthless anyway. Name one fucking thing shame has kept people from doing when they thought they could get away with it. Have you seen my wiener? Oh, not even close, because wieners whipped out on subways every goddamn day. Ask any woman in New York City, and she'll tell you at least five stories about it. I'm not a psychologist, but I would bet a fair number of those guys doing dick displays on the A-train are doing it because they were shamed for some kind of sexual behavior as a child. As I said, I'm not a psychologist, but I've read two books written by Sigmund Freud, and I think that is enough for me to comment without any authority whatsoever that I suspect improper shaming of innocent behavior in kids leads to more sexual dysfunctions than anything else short of genuine mental illness. Every little boy in the world discovers fairly early on that if he touches himself down there, it feels good. It has nothing to do with sex. It has to do with having a penis. When you freak out and demonize that behavior, you create shame, and that shame manifests later in life with the intense desire to have unwilling people look at your dick, usually during rush hour. And again, not an expert, just a guy born with a penis who never ever takes it out unless specifically told to by a woman in leather carrying a cat of nine tails. You deal with your childhood sexual dysfunction your way, I'll deal with it in mine. All shame has ever done is be a weapon for small-minded people to use against those less powerful than they are. It does bupkis against the powerful, the influential, the wealthy. Do you think Harvey Weinstein felt shame jacking off into a potted plant? Look, I've masturbated under conditions of crippling shame. I mean, I once wanked my crank behind a fully nuclear-loaded B-52 bomber. No one could see me. It was the middle of the night. You got to keep awake somehow, all right? Again, you deal with your sexual dysfunction your way. I'll deal with it with mine. But even I have never jerked off into a potted plant while a horrified human being looked on. Why? Because if I did it, there would be real and painful consequences for my actions, even if it was only the horrified person eventually breaking out into gales of uncontrollable laughter after they see the size of my penis. But Harvey was damn sure the women he forced to watch would never laugh at his tiny dingle, much less press charges. And he was correct right up until the moment he was wrong. I still bet Harv doesn't feel shame or regret. I bet he feels angry at finally being forced to reckon with his actions. Shame doesn't work. It's never worked. You want to know what works? What is an effective tool to enforce public morality? Fucking laws. Right. You can force people to conform to a set of defined moral behaviors, whether they want to or not. You pass laws that lay out what those behaviors are. Say, for example, not showing your dick to people who don't ask to see your dick. And then you lay out exactly what the punishment is if you choose to show your dick to the aforementioned unwilling dick viewers. A lot of people say laws don't prevent people from breaking them. Bullshit. 
I know a lot of guys who would love to go around showing their dick to anyone who would stand still long enough for them to whip it out. They don't because they want to stay out of jail more than they want people to see their dick. It's a simple math equation that anyone can do. Need more proof? How many times? And be honest. Have you genuinely said to yourself, I want to kill this motherfucker? And in that moment, meant it with all your heart. Maybe you've been showed your third unwanted dick in a single morning commute, and if you could, you would totally rip it off and beat the guy to death with it. You know, if if it were bigger, and if you, you wouldn't go to jail for doing that. That might not be the best example, so let me use road rage. You and I both know that were it not for strong laws and heavy consequences, you would have committed at least one murder during your life behind the wheel. No one is so good a person that you would not kill when provoked by some dipshit on his cell phone, cutting you off while merging onto the freeway, forcing you to swerve and nearly plow your car under a big rig when your kids are in the back seat. You would kill that oblivious motherfucker in a heartbeat if you could get away with it. You know that you can't, so all you can do is shout some very bad words in front of your children who gasp, look up from their electronic devices in shock, and then shame you for using bad words. Laws work. Shame doesn't. Which brings me back to the point I wanted to make when I started writing this week's show. We need to stop lamenting the lack of shame in our president because it does nothing. I mean, less than the usual nothing it does with your average person, because our president is very likely a sociopath and definitely, without question, a diagnosable narcissist who is utterly incapable of the emotion of shame because of this problem. Stop writing hot takes in your media column about how he's bringing disgrace on the country. Stop lamenting the breaking of norms. Fuck, you can even stop whining about the refusal of Republicans in Congress to speak out over his crimes. It's as pointless as jerking off into a potted plant. Shame doesn't work. Laws do. We actually have laws. We have a process for those laws to be investigated and prosecuted. I mean, there's a group of people right now who are steadily closing the jaws of the law around the criminals who fucked with these elections. The Mueller investigation is showing more and more every day that some people did some very naughty things and their names are about to come very public. Shame doesn't matter because the law is coming. Hell's coming with me, you hear? And this is a nation of laws, isn't it? Isn't it? That's the final question. Soon now it won't be a question of shame or of norms or even of politics. The final question when all is said and done is, are we a nation of laws? There can be no evasion, no statements of disapproval, no rhetorical sidestep on the issue. When all the facts are known, are we a nation of laws? that the Republicans in Congress will be forced to choose a side. And unlike today, where we deal with the pointless issues of shame, there is only one side, one answer they can give. Or all of this, from 1776 on, is fucking pointless. The lives of all the Americans who died in all the wars, every cop on the street, every child in school, every fucking flag waved over a goddamn NFL game depend on them answering the question with the only possible answer they can give. If they choose politics and power over the law, that is the end of America. And that, my friends, would be a genuine fucking shame.
<laughs> that is it for our show this week. I hear you all. I hear you all saying, Dave, you've done enough. At long last, Dave, have you no decency? I checked in the back, and I am fresh out of decency, so here you are with 25 minutes of dick jokes and references to pedophile priest. There is no honor in what I do here. I accept the fact that I, as a person... It is a question of honor. You will die without honor. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Worf. The Cardassians have no honor. These are Romulans. They are without honor. You know who else is without honor? Those who fail to rate and review the show wherever they get their podcast, it shows a Ferengi level of disregard in keeping others from finding the show and then being offended by the content. All of the stains on the honor of my house can be found on Twitter at the hell underscore podcast and the show name on Facebook. As always, the entire catalog of shame that is this low-rated podcast may be found at the show name on SoundCloud or at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, shameless Dave Bledsoe, producer knows no shame Gavin, and all the other fictional shame spirals on the show, we want to say, when you stand by that man, try to tell me lies I don't understand, say you love him and that's a fact, you betrayed your country and now we're trapped, well something you can't explain away, and now we're fucked, and we're here to stay. We'll see you all next week. for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.